0: the 168th episode of Monster Kid Radio, and we are kicking it off with the song Mr. Moto. It's from the band The Mexican Weirdos. They're a surf band, and this song comes from their self-titled album. You can find them at mexicanweirdos.bandcamp.com, or you can just follow the link in the show notes over at monsterkidradio.net. That's the website for the podcast, Monster Kid Radio, where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not-so-classic genre cinema of Yesteryear. I'm your host, writer-producer Derek M. Cook. I'd like to welcome you to the show right off the bat. Before we get into the meat of things, I want to thank everybody for sticking around. I know we had some technical difficulties in the previous episode. We started an awesome interview with filmmakers Joe DeMuro, Tom Rice, and Mike Rudolph about their upcoming movie, Tales of Dracula. I thought the content was great. And I know in the world of podcasting, everybody says that content is king, but... The audio didn't sound that great, and I did my best to make it sound as good as possible, but it just didn't hit the mark for us. So, Joe, Tom, and Mike have actually agreed to do some work on their end. I'm going to do some more work on my end, and we're going to remaster that interview and redo it and represent it here on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. Well, if we do that, what does that mean we're going to be doing today on the show? Well, fortunately, I have a recording in the can with long time friend of Monster Kid Radio and friend of mine, sculptor Tom. Bigler. He is going to join us on the show here in a little bit. We're going to talk about a movie that neither one of us had seen prior to sitting down to watch it for the show. I'll talk about that here in a second. First, let me tell you about MonsterKidRadio.net This is where you're going to find links to everything that we ever talk about here on the show. You're going to find everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes right here. There are links to our song page, our live 365 internet radio station, our Patreon page, and our Facebook group. You can also find our contact information over here. Our email address is MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com and we have a voicemail line a phone number set up at 503-479-5657 that's 503-479-5 mkr if you have any comments about anything you've ever heard on the show This week or the previous 165 Episodes or so, feel free to call it in Or write it in and we'll talk about it here on a future episode Of Monster Kid Radio I'm eager to get talking about The Bubble, it's from 1966 From director Arch Obler with Tom Bigler We'll get to that right after this
1: Pounding across the motion picture screen Comes the most terrifying monster Of them all Gamera, the invincible Gamera the super monster that even the H bomb cannot destroy. Gamera the Invincible. everyone! Gamera, consuming raw atomic power. Power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera the Invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against Gamera the Invincible. Is humanity doomed? will the world be destroyed the united nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world we have one plan that we think might work we have discussed plan z with the japanese authorities and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans is that correct sir that is so plan z is hope of the world A cast of thousands, at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker as the Secretary of Defense. Will Plan Z stop Gamera? Gamera, the invincible. Why, I, I, what are you looking for under a tombstone in broad daylight? Shh! You'll scare her away. Scare her away? Who? What? What what can you scare away here in a cemetery? My ghoul friend. She's the ghost in the invisible bikini. (coughs) What are you, putting me on? Herbie, I know you're broad-minded, but this is ridiculous. No, I'm serious. And you should see her since she traded her bedsheet for a bikini. Well, you must enjoy looking around for a real nothing broad. It's really just that American International is inviting everyone out to the graveyard for a blood-curdling blast with the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini to see Tommy Kirk, Deborah Wally, Aaron Kincaid, Harvey Lembeck, and Jesse White with Nancy Sinatra and guest stars Basil Rathbone, Boris Karloff, and Susan Hart in the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini in Pathé color and Panavision. Now you would have to get commercial. Now you scared her away. <laughs>
2: Ladies and gentlemen, you are about to see a very unusual trailer about a very unusual picture coming to this theater. This trailer is unusual because we aren't going to show you any scenes out of the picture, but we are going to tell you the truth. Arch Obler's new motion picture, The Bubble, is made in a revolutionary new process called space vision. And when you come here to see it, We promise you a brand new sensation. I'll repeat that. We promise you a brand new sensation. Why? Because for the first time in any theater, scenes in colorful living dimensions will actually float right off the screen into space and over your heads. That's what I said. Over your heads. In addition, we believe the bubble is a very entertaining story about most unusual people in a situation you'll talk about for a long time to come. So here's your flat invitation to see Arch Obler's The Bubble when it premieres in this theater. It's revolutionary. It's exciting. It's newer than television. It's space vision. In all your life, you've never seen anything like it. That's a guarantee. You'll meet Deborah Wally, an exciting new young actor named Michael Cole, and Johnny Desmond in a great suspense picture. First the screen was silent. Then it talked. Then color. Now the greatest advance of them all. The picture floats off the screen. See motion picture history made in this theater in Arch Obler's exciting story, The Bubble. The picture floats off the screen.
0: We're going to do a first here on Monster Kid Radio, but not with a first-time guest. Tom Bigler, back on Monster Kid Radio. How's it going, man?
3: Great, Derek. It's a pleasure to be back with you tonight, today. Thank you.
0: Our first recording together in 2015. How's the new year treating you?
3: Excellent. I have no complaints.
0: Good. I don't know if I went. No, that's fine. <laughs> I'm excited. We're doing something totally outside of the box, something that we've never done. In the past, we've talked about movies that I've not seen that I should have seen, but uh, So a lot of movies that we've talked about in 2014 were first-time views for me. This movie that we're doing today is a first-time view for both of us. What's the movie?
3: It's The Bubble.
0: It's from 1966 and directed by Arch Obler. Now, do you know much about the film or Arch or any of those? Arch, listen to me.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know much about Arch at all, really. I know he he did a few uh, things in TV, Mm -hmm. a few things in movies. Um, nothing of real note. I think he directed The Five, mm-hmm. which was a kind of a science fiction, yes. apocalyptic uh, story. Mm-hmm. But really, I know very, very little, Derek.
0: All right. So uh, he directed Buana Devil, which was the first American 3D film in color, which it's appropriate because the movie we're doing tonight is a 3D film as well. Uh, one of the last American 3D films, actually, <laughs> during the uh, the craze for the cycle that ended in the 60s before it came back again in the 80s arch obler is primarily known as a writer of radio drama and radio plays and for people like us probably most known for lights out which is a radio program that had two different runs lots of creepy stuff are you familiar with the story of the chicken heart
3: I have no idea what you're talking about, Derek.
0: Okay. Well, no, The Chicken Heart is a story that was on Lights Out. It got referenced by Bill Cosby on one of his comedy routines. It impacted a number of people. Stephen King has talked about it. It's a story about a chicken heart that is kept alive in a Petri dish that eventually starts to grow. And grow and grow. And it's creepy because you hear the chicken heart beating the entire time. That was something that Arch Obler wrote. He wasn't necessarily a horror guy to begin with. He actually put a lot of social commentary into his work. Very anti-fascism, heavy type stuff, anti-Nazism, which, I mean, I think we can get behind. But he did start doing some television and film. And the movie we're doing tonight is one of the last films that he directed. This has uh, been out, uh, I think it came out last year by Kino, right?
3: Yeah, it just came out a short time ago. I got it well shortly after it came out. I'm always looking for a as you know, I have a 3D TV. Mm-hmm. And I'm always looking for 3D movies, something new, most are just cash grabs. They just throw post-converted 3D right. in just to get a little extra money. And this just happened to come up on Amazon one day. So, uh, and it's in Space Vision. <laughs> so, it's
0: got to be great. So what do we know about space vision?
3: All I know really is that, the, is this one, Arch, Arch came up with this, yeah, or yeah, no? Yeah. I think so. It was basically just a more economical way to film 3D. Mm-hmm. Instead of having two separate cameras, you would have one camera, but I think two kinds of filters right. that would create basically the same image as mm-hmm. if you used the more expensive two-camera system.
0: Right. So it would split the regular frame in half, top and bottom, I believe, or yeah, it would be top and bottom so that when it was turned into 3d, a special uh, lens would be put on the projector to show both images simultaneously to create the 3d effect because it's cutting the normal image in half. It gives the illusion of being a widescreen kind of cinematic or cinescope kind of picture, which I find fascinating that, you know, he figured out how to do that and make it 3d. So I think that's cool. Um, do you have anything else about the movie that you know or that you researched anything before we dive into this?
3: Not really, Derek. There, I, I looked a little bit, and there's not a lot to be found about this movie, really. Is if you're looking in IMDb, there's just a couple things, a couple hmm. little tidbits. But So um, we're both kind of going into this fairly blind so we're just gonna see it looks it looks interesting at the at the very
0: worst <laughs> it looks kind of trippy you know the, the opening menus got these colors and the sound you guys and gals heard a little bit of uh, I know very little about the movie as well I know Stephen King likes it some people have said that Under the Dome was inspired by this it stars Michael Cole who would go on to be on the Mod Squad for a few years after this but other than that I, I don't have much so shall we get this thing started
3: let's get into it Derek
0: So we just got done watching The Bubble. And overall thoughts, first impressions, uh, what do you think, man?
3: I was totally immersed in (laughs) everything. I I had so many things coming at my face and almost poking me in the eye. I couldn't even hardly take it.
0: Space vision. There's a lot of space vision. They really exploited that. There are a lot of ladders and airplane wings and buckets and dirts and yeah i it looked good on your tv though yeah it looked pretty sharp i was fairly happy with it <laughs> <laughs> the 3d part so the overall story i uh, i think we kind of hit it when we talked about it at the very beginning uh it's under the dome basically uh, pregnant woman and her young husband and a pilot flying to town they get trapped because there's this giant bubble around the town and people in the town are kind of zombified and they actually call them the walking dead at one point. I kind of snickered a little bit. Um, and the whole story is about them trying to get out while trying to figure out why everybody else has been mind controlled, I guess. I don't know. It just, it seemed to be kind of stagey and kind of slow paced. what did you think?
3: Uh, yeah, it wasn't incredibly, uh, entertaining. Yeah. But it was uh, it was a really interesting concept, I think. it Just some of the execution, it left so many things unexplained or, or just kind of didn't do it for me as much as I would like.
0: There were long stretches that were very wordy and very dialogue heavy. And I closed my eyes a few times because it felt like he was writing dialogue or dialogue was being prepared as if it was being read for radio as opposed for a film, especially in the opening bit in the airplane, the back and forth, back and forth, and, oh, we're flying, and it's just very uh, over-the-top type dialogue. And then there are other long stretches where there's nothing being said, but there are no transition pieces between the scenes. So you're not really sure how exactly the characters got from one point to another. It seems to be like this jump. And I was looking about, uh, looking into that. It looks like there's a longer version of the movie at one point. And the studios told Arch Hobler to cut it down a little bit. And he did. Unfortunately, he did with the master print. So that extra stuff doesn't exist anymore. Did you get a sense that there were some jumps in here?
3: Oh, definitely. You could tell there was a few spots where it just jumped for one. Like when the pilot. Yeah. He, he Evidently, he wandered away. But he, they didn't really. <laughs> he was just not there anymore for a while. Then he came back.
0: The pilot played by Johnny Desmond, who you said was like this popular singer guy. And he certainly had the look of – you called him a crooner. Right. He had the look of the crooner with this kind of the suave hair and the, the way he talked to the lady, which was creepy. Do we do we want to talk about the implication there? These people are kind of mind-controlled and kind of programmed to do these repetitive actions. Yet he finds a way to hook up in town. I don't know how that happened. We don't see it, but you just assume. And it was just kind of creepy.
3: Yeah, he implied <laughs> that he had spent the night with this one uh a a saloon bir- girl. Yeah, yeah, basically a saloon girl who uh used her high kicking to great effect for the three D. <laughs> but she basically didn't say anything during the movie, and no. she was basically a I don't know. Um, <laughs> she was subservient <laughs> Very much And so it just makes you wonder If he sp- spent the night with her Yeah That doesn't sound good
0: It doesn't sound good Especially when he talks about How he had to wrestle the cab driver Out of the cab It was a lot of work But I had to work him out of there Well what did you have to do To get the woman to follow you around And spend the night with her I don't I don't want to know Johnny Desmond Just moving on <laughs> What did you think of the effect Of the dome itself The bubble
3: I actually thought it was pretty good yeah. I, 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 I didn't mind You know it's Not much of an effect. It was just a big glass or plexiglass sheet. Sure. But the the way they... uh, When they shot from outside the dome, there was no sound. So they'd say something, but it was just totally silent. Uh, When the rain came down, I thought that was kind of a cool effect. So
0: I think it it was pretty good. I think technically there are some really interesting things happening here. With the dome, the 3D, or the space vision, I just felt like the movie may have had grander aspirations. You know, we talked a little bit about how Arch Obler really liked to put a lot of messages into his work, and I felt like there might have been some heavy-handed messages in here that maybe we just didn't get. You were asking me towards the end, you know, is this an anti-socialism kind of thing or anti... I don't know. I mean, I think the story was pretty bare-bones. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I thought the story was pretty simple. It almost... I don't know the the circumstance. I know that Arch wrote it, directed, mm-hmm. and produced. Correct. Yeah. Well, one of the things to me that stood out was the people under the dome. They were in basically what was and appeared to be an, an abandoned uh, yeah. movie set. So it'd go from from a '60s street to an an old fashioned saloon kind of western scene yeah. to something else. And it almost felt to me like it was an Ed Wood kind of thing, where they figured, well, we have this movie set for like four (laughs) days, and they said we could use some of these old costumes out of the trunks. So how are we going to fit this into the story? Because a lot of it, I mean, Michael Cole makes some comments. I think it's Mark. He makes some comments about how, these uh, creatures or whatever, you never know what they are exactly, or have kind of put the things under the dome on display like a museum or something. So I think he's kind of implying that the the different costumes are supposed to be different eras or something, but that never really felt.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense, because if if that's what they're saying, that means the old West stuff wasn't a studio. That would have meant or kind of implied that the people that are in the Old West costumes got put in the bubble during that time period. I mean, which could have been really interesting to explore, but they really never got there.
3: And that's something too that was yeah. brought up by one of Michael Cole's many wild conjectures was that the, these creatures <laughs> that are controlling the dome, that the time doesn't mean the same to them as us. So yeah, yeah so that kind of would make sense sense like maybe those are actually i guess that maybe they were actually from the west from and it was just there all that time it's i don't know it's still seemed like a movie set to me
0: (laughs) i agree it did feel like a movie set like you said it's just like well we don't have this big budget (laughs) but we have access to the studio and uh why don't we make something happen which i mean you do what you got to do when you're making a movie i guess I want to bring up somebody that you mentioned. There's one of the people on the town is the watchmaker played by, and I wonder if I'm going to mispronounce this. Olan Soul, S-O-U-L-E. He's done a ton of television. And you said he looked familiar. Had anything come to mind for you?
3: No, not at all. He just has that face where, you know, I was I was raised in the 60s and 70s and... I've seen his face on so many TV shows and things, but I I would never have guessed his name.
0: <laughs> so the $6 million man comes up on the IMDb right away in terms of television, Towering Inferno. Uh, over 200 credits on the IMDb. Simon and Simon from the 80s voiced a lot of Batman cartoon stuff. But I'm also showing that he was an uncredited on-screen talent in things like This Island Earth, The Day the Earth Stood Still. So you know, a couple of touchstones for us here on Monster Kid Radio. He plays one of the townspeople in the bubble and he's a watchmaker and he he looks pretty good you know i thought a lot of the characters the people in the bubble looked good for what they were doing they definitely had that kind of zonked out look and i did like the doctor i mean when he finally started to come around but the woman uh the wife i i don't know if i really liked her all that much (laughs) played by deborah wally i don't know much about her do you
3: she was Gidget. That's how I remembered her was first. Was that Gidget? That was Gidget. That oh, was Gidget no. goes Hawaii. I think that was like 1961 or something. And oh, she no. looks this was sixty six, it was five years, but she looks older than just five years from Gidget. <laughs> she looks fine. I don't wanna I'm not judging yeah. her, but But yeah, she wasn't that great. She's not a great actor. I'm sorry, but
0: Yeah. Um When the IMDb brings up a picture of a Benji movie, when you look her up, you kind of wonder. I I just in this one, she felt a little, you know, this is weird because on Monster Kid Radio, we try to celebrate the stuff that we love. And this one. It's interesting. I'll probably think about it, but I don't know if it's one that I need to have in my movie collection. I'm glad you've got it in yours in case I ever decide I need to watch it again. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if, if we had to do like a one out of 10, what kind of a score would you give it? Ooh, um, I'd probably give it a uh, six. Would you float that six out on a tray with some strings that you can kind of attack? <laughs> that is the one thing. My score will probably be about the same, for the record, about a six. One thing that I love about having Blu-ray technology, and you've got this awesome HDTV that we just watched it on and everything unfortunately when you remaster a lot of these older movies film was a lot more forgiving so you don't see the wires you don't see the strings but yeah i saw the strings i think they got remastered as well so (laughs) unfortunately you do see some of that but there's some other decent levitation effects in this i I like the flaming jeep or car that was kind of cool to see that get floated up but yeah i'm gonna go with a six as well i think so yeah any final thoughts on the bubble?
3: Get it? Watch the bubble. No,
0: um, it was entertaining. I mean, I just
3: wish it would have done more to explain. It just left so many things. You know, some people were zombies. You never knew why. People got pulled up into the sky. Uh, Jeeps got pulled up into the sky. Flaming trucks got pulled up in the sky with no explanation. Um, there's so many things. There was giant cave, hairy caves in the <laughs> in the town that they didn't. You know, they. There was so much that they just didn't bother to to explain right. or even get into that. I think if they would have just tried a little more, maybe scaled back on all the different things they were trying to squeeze in and yeah. just focused on just something, I think it would have benefited quite a bit.
0: Who do these people think they are, trying to make a, a two-season TV show out of a single Stephen King novel? Uh, <laughs> no, I think you're right. I think it's a little too much shoved into a movie that was too short for what they had in mind. Um the bleeding chair was interesting. I didn't expect that when the when the chair got all pulled up and gushed all over the place. You know, there are two trailers on the disc. Trailer for the bubble, which everybody heard. I played that at the top of the show. And we're going to go out on the other trailer when it was re-released as the Fantastic Invasion of Planet Earth, which makes the movie look a heck of a lot more exciting. This is more of a thinking man's movie. There's not really a Fantastic Invasion. But yeah, I'm with Tom. It's a six. It's interesting. It's interesting. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Dom, I'll we'll have to have you back on the show soon.
3: It's been a pleasure. Hope to come on back and uh, talk about some more
0: awesome movies.
3: Indeed.
2: Invaders from another galaxy in fantastic invasion of planet Earth in 3D. There's something up there watching me. Unholy overlords with their fiendish, diabolical mind. You want to paralyze your brains? You want to? You want to forget that you're a human being? <laughs>
1: How could it have done all this so quickly? Well,
2: why should time to them be the same as it is to us?
1: It wants to kill my baby.
2: Don't touch Tommy, I swear.
1: There's nothing you can do. Well, come on. <laughs> Are we really here? Or is it. is it some kind of a crazy dream?
2: Fantastic invasion of blooded earth. A thrilling science fiction adventure for the entire family. Be all
3: that's left of our world.
2: Fantastic invasion of planet Earth in 3D. Space Vision! So realistic it pulls you into the picture. Don't miss it! Rated PG. Coming soon to this theater. Ah!
0: Big thanks to Tom for doing this recording with me. It was pretty cool to go over to his place and watch the movie on his 3D TV. And the 3D in this thing, it was really neat. Now, I know the movie kind of left us with some mixed thoughts. Some of it was really cool. Some of it was a little dry and dull. And really, I don't know if the bubble delivered on all the promises that it was making in the trailer and, well, in the setup of the film. However... I cannot believe that Tom and I forgot to mention the best line of dialogue in the entire film when the young bride is talking about how being pregnant is the same as having a sexy bellyache. I'm just going to leave that hanging right there. Good. Good. All right. We're good. Next week on Monster Kid Radio, I'm having a new person on the show, somebody that I've been friends with on Facebook for a while, but have never actually spoken to in person outside of a quick passing at Monster Bash. I'm going to have Rondo award winning artist Roger Cook on the show. I'm excited. And not just because he spells his name the same way as me and pronounces it the same way as me. No relation, but I'm excited because he's going to tell us a little bit about some experiences he had in the 70s when he just happened to find his way on the set while they were filming a Vincent Price movie. I'm not going to tell you which one. You're going to have to come back to Monster Kid Radio for that next week. In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Mr. Moto. That belongs to the band, The Mexican Weirdos. It's on their self-titled album. You can find them at mexicanweirdos.bandcamp.com. And that's mexican... And then weirdos is spelled w e i r d o h s dot com. check them out download the album let them know that monster kid radio sent you because their song appears on this episode with their permission talk to everybody next week